so I'm psychic medium Miss Sarah Harvey. Hello, Molly. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is something that, hi, Dana, is something that uh, I am really passionate about, and that is the paranormal and hauntings. And so I actually, about 19 years ago, stumbled, excuse me, that ages me a lot. We'll say, we'll say 15 years ago. I stumbled upon a, uh, it's probably more like 15 years ago, realistically. I stumbled upon um, a case, a documentary that was actually going on in Des Moines, Iowa. And I was like, I want to go to a documentary at the Science Center. I've never been there before. So I went to the Science Center and I went to the documentary for the Velisca Axe Murders. And from that point on, I was completely obsessed with the Velisca Axe Murders. If any of you guys have ever heard of it, uh, it's a really, across the United States, like this was a really rare thing to happen. And so I'm just going to give you guys some background. And what I want to do today is I want you guys to take your own information. I'm going to provide you with websites and all that, like so that you can find the information that you're looking for in more detail. And I just want to know who you guys think is the person that's guilty. There is several suspects, and I'll kind of go over each one of them. And I have the website pulled up. And so I want to talk about what happened that night. So this was in Villisca, Iowa in 1912. And so obviously uh, the phone uh, connection was limited. Electricity may have been limited. And there was a family, um, a family of six and two children who were staying the night that were actually murdered overnight in their house. And so I'm gonna start and tell you how this began. So uh, Josiah Moore and Sarah Moore, they were at church with their children they had four children, Herman Moore, who was 11, Catherine Moore, 10, Boyd Moore, 7, Paul Moore, 5, and they were having children's activities that night. They stayed out until about 9.45, 10 o'clock when they entered their house, and they actually had two other girls come and stay the night with them, little girls for, that wanted to stay the night with their kids. And so... Um, Basically, Lena and Ina Stillinger, they came and stayed the night with the family that night as well. Um, obviously, no one knew this was going to happen. So, then at 7 a.m., I'm going to kind of, I'll get into those details. At 7 a.m., after the family, the Moore family and the Stillinger girls go back home to the house that was in Villisca, Iowa, they, it was a two-story house, they enter, they go in, um, the next thing that happened that we know for sure um, is that at um, 5 a.m. Mary Peckham, their neighbor, had started her housework outside, letting uh, chickens out, those types of things. She actually found it really odd that the Moors hadn't left the house yet, and so she actually let their chickens out as well that morning. It wasn't until about 7 a.m that she decided to call Ross Moore, that was Josiah's brother, and she called him and she was like, "Something, I think something's wrong, no one's come out of the house yet, um, I'm just wondering what's going on. And so, um, basically, that was what was happening. And so, uh, Ross Moore found a key uh, that had been hidden, or and all the doors were locked from the inside, right? So, with that being said, so basically, they get inside the house, um, they call the sheriff, they call the coroner, they call a doctor, all that. 
um, and those people came after, obviously, they found them, but they found every member of the family was killed in a different room of, or there were different, several rooms of the house, there were three different bedrooms that they were killed in, and they went from Sarah, uh, Josiah and Sarah's Moore's room to their children's rooms, that would have been Herman, Catherine, Boyd, Paul, and Paul, who's five, they went to their room, and then they went downstairs, the murderer did, and he um, used an axe on Lena and Ina Stillinger. So basically the things that they do know about this case is that the assailant had um, actually entered through the cellar, and they had went upstairs in the attic and they were hiding. And the reason that they know that they were hiding in the attic is because there were cigarette butts actually thrown on the floor in the attic that they discovered later, right? So that um, was a really huge indicator that somebody was inside the house. So when they go in, the biggest mistake that they made during this investigation is this was a really small town, so pretty much everybody in town wanted to see what had happened. Um, and this may seem really unrealistic in our day and age, but in that day and age it wasn't. So the, pretty much everybody in town trampled through the entire crime scene. So it made it really difficult for them to find the assailant that did this. So with that being said, so basically the, the axe had actually been left at the house, and I believe the axe was actually Josiah's axe. Um, so this was uh, a murderer that was just grabbing something at the last minute, I feel like. And uh, the neighbor, Mary Peckham, she said that she felt like the assailant would have had to have entered between 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. Or excuse me, yeah, it'd be 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. So the thing that is odd about this is because in other stories, I've also heard that the assailant may have uh, actually entered the house before that while they were at church. Um, so... Hi, Mary. Um, while they were at church, someone may have entered the house. And they there was something about the basement, I'm not exactly sure what it was, or the cellar that they could enter through. I think maybe it was open or something. But every door inside the house, um, the main part of the house, was there was all locked from the inside when, the, uh, when the, the brother found them, the neighbor found them. So, now I want to share with you guys... I told you guys about the sisters, and the sisters were just staying the night. That was the only reason that they were there. They had several other siblings, um, and they were just were just staying the night with the girl. So one of the the first suspect that I want to talk about in this um, crime is Josiah uh, Moore, Josiah Moore's former boss, Frank Jones. And you guys probably don't know who Frank Jones is. He was actually uh, the state senator of Iowa after this occurrence, right? So after the murders, he became the state senator. And he had actually owned a, an implement called the Jones Store, and they had a contract with John Deere before this had hap the murders had happened. And in 1908, Josiah Moore actually opened his own implement, and I believe it was right across the street, and he took all of uh, Frank Jones's business. And so Frank Jones wasn't really happy about that, and he also took the contract with John Deere. And not everybody across the United States knows how important John Deere is. In, in Iowa, that's a huge deal, right? It has been for years. 
So with uh, with that being said, so the other the other rumor that had went around is that um, Frank Jones's son, he actually his his wife had slept with Josiah Moore. It was a rumor. I don't know if that's true or not. So basically, the reason that um, Frank Jones is or had been implicated or a suspect at some point in time and never really, they didn't really do any detailed investigation for him, which is surprising to me. But what they think happened, some people suspect, um, is that he hired a man named William Blackie Mansfield. And uh, William Blackie had been a, a prime suspect in some other uh, crimes that had occurred, and he was basically a hired hitman. And so that was why that came into play, and he was kind of close to the area when that happened. Uh, but they quickly, uh, the the officers and the investigators quickly uh, got rid of the Joneses as suspects. So that's information, that's one theory, right? So another man was Reverend George Kelly. And Reverend George Kelly was actually traveling from another part of um, another part of the United States, he traveled to Vliska as a, um, almost like a, a preacher in training, and he was at, they were at the Presbyterian Church that night, so he was actually at the church that night that the Moors were there and the Stillinger girls were there. So one of the big things that I would say about Reverend George Kelly is, um, he said, he said later on, and that's why he's a suspect, he said later on in northwest Iowa, he had, been a, um, uh, he had been a preacher, and he had confessed to someone. And I think he also confessed to police, but they didn't believe that he was the killer because he was too short. So basically, when, they, when the killer went in, um, he killed the, uh, Josiah and Sarah Moore first. And when he swung the axe up, it put a, a, a mark in the ceiling from the axe. And so basically the um, investigators decided that um, Reverend George Kelly was probably too short to actually be the um, actual assailant. So the other one, or the, well, and also uh, with Reverend George Kelly, he had went on later um, to do some things. He kind of he kind of lost his marbles. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but. Um, he, he, I think he probably felt guilt about that just because, and they really pressured him, I believe, for information the police did because they wanted to put that on him after that. But um, that's just one more suspect. Um, and I'm going to tell you a little, a couple more details after this too that I'll tell you, give you a little bit more of an idea of what this suspect would have been like. So um, there was another. There was a serial killer actually, and I believe he came from Nebraska area that he had killed someone in Nebraska, and his name was Henry Moore, no relation to them, and he had uh, killed a few months before he had killed his mother and his grandfather, his maternal grandfather in oh he didn't come from Nebraska, it was Columbia, Missouri. Okay, so um, when he did that. Um, he became a suspect because basically they thought that they were going to run into a serial killer. It was a similar fashion and those types of things. 
So then there's there's also so most people land in those three theories. They land in Frank Jones hiring uh, Blackie um, Blackie Mansfield or Reverend uh, George Kelly or Henry Lee Moore. So Henry oh well and there's one more that is kind of a theory but most people land in the other three. So his name is Andy Sawyer. And back in 1912, people hopped trains a lot. And so one of the theories was uh, because the train actually ran through the back, uh, really close to the Moore's house. Back in there, those days, everything was really close anyway. But so at Andy Sawyer was actually a hobo. And he had went to Creston a few, or uh, the day after the murders. And he had rambled about the murders. And to a man that was hiring him on the railroad and he was dressed in a suit and he was shaven um, but they knew he was a hobo for some reason about his demeanor he was a little off um, he picked up a newspaper and he would always sleep with an axe so that's just another he's one more suspect so some of the details and I'm might be a tiny bit off but you can go on the website because I'm gonna provide you with the website and see exactly what the details are but basically, uh, one of the things that I found really odd about this case is I've studied this case just off and on for years, right? Ever since I knew about it. And so one of the things that I found really odd is that one of the girls, the Stillinger girls, and I think it was the older one, that'd be Lena. Um, I might be wrong about that. But basically, the, the, the Stillinger girl that was on the outside of the bed when he walked in, when the murderer walked in, she was actually moved in an, a different position and her dress was lifted, or her nightgown was lifted up. So this tells me a little bit more, right? A little bit more about the person that had um, done this to her. So I think that's interesting because that kind of gives it a whole nother perspective. And I wouldn't, I mean, if we got Blackie, um, Mansfield like we don't know what he's going to be like or what his personality is like and there's a whole um, bio on each one of these on the website and I'll give it to you guys um, so the suspects were uh, state senator who became the state senator Frank Jones uh, Blackie Mansfield would ha would have been his accomplice as a paid um, you know assassin or whatever George Kelly, Reverend George Kelly, Henry Moore, who had been uh, involved in previous murders, Hi Nicole, and Adam Sawyer, who was a hobo that was traveling by. So th some of the things, and I told you guys about, okay, so the murderer was actually upstairs in the attic, and they had found cigarette butts put out. Another really um, interesting detail about this case is the well few and there's a lot to it but one of the other things which all this i'll tell you all this actually fits into the profile of what the murderer would have been like and I'll, you guys will be able to see the pictures on the website that i provide they take tours and all sorts of stuff um at, in Villisca, and i think there's a hotel there too but it's a like people stay the night there i don't know if i'd be willing to stay the night there but it is what it is so one of the interesting facts is that every mirror in each room, in each bedroom, was covered with a blanket. 
So in Josiah and Sarah's room, it was the mirror was covered with a blanket. Um, I don't know if there was a mirror in Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul's room. They all slept in the same room that night. Um, and I don't know if there was a mirror in there, but if it, there was, it was covered with a blanket. And then Lena and Ina Stillinger, I know there was a mirror in there and it was covered with a blanket. So this person didn't want to look at themselves. Like there's something really odd about that, right? And with picking up the axe being Josiah's axe, that's kind of an opportunist in my opinion. It wasn't really as planned as people may have thought in my opinion. You guys totally get to choose what you think about all this. So he, the man had picked up the axe. He uh, somehow, he entered through the cellar. He went upstairs while they were gone at church or while they were sleeping he ended up in the attic. So that makes me think, and you guys probably thought the same thing too, as I said that, makes me think that he snuck in while they were in church. So he waited for them and he was smoking and there was a bunch of cigarette butts on the ground. And then one of the things he did, so he went to the uh, parents' room first, then he went to uh, their children's room and then that was all on the second floor. Then he went downstairs um, past the kitchen and into the um, guest room that Lena and Ina were staying in. And then when he was done with that and covering the mirrors and all that stuff, he actually sat down to eat. They found a plate with, and I want to say it was like bacon or something like that. They found a plate that he had eaten off of and they actually found bacon on the floor in Lena and Ina's, uh, uh, the guest bedroom that they were staying in. If that isn't odd, I don't even know what is. So that's just like one more little tidbit about the case. And so, um, so the time frame that this would have had to happen is um, 9.45 to 10 o'clock, the Moors and the Stillinger girls, who were their guests, came back to the house. And at 7 a.m., Mary Peckham had already called Ross Moore and they were entering into the house. So I know that's a lot of information for you guys, but that's that's what we have. And so I wanted to take a look. I don't know if this is something that interests you guys or not, but I, I think it's just crazy. I was like enthralled by it. Um, they on the website, it's called www.villiscavillisca.com. And they actually have an entire virtual tour you can take. And they actually tell the story um, during the, that virtual tour. And it shows the outside of the house. It shows the first level, shows each of the rooms. And, that, and it basically shows you exactly where, where these things happened at. And gets in really good detail, or really deep detail, about what, what the crime or what the crime entailed and what was happening. And so I just thought that was something that I wanted to share with you guys because I thought you guys would think that was interesting. And this is an unsolved case. Um, what I'm looking at doing, and I'm not really sure if I'm going to do it, is um, I'm looking at maybe uh, finding an unsolved uh, case and just make sure no one Googles it beforehand and then we can kind of see what we think or who the guilty party is. Uh, maybe it'll be something that wasn't as heavily, um, uh, wasn't on the news as much, you know. So um, I know who I think it is. I know who I've thought it was from the beginning. Like, it didn't take me long. About probably a year into studying it, like, I realized who I thought was the um, prime suspect. And so... Yeah, you can stay overnight. I'm going to pull this up for you guys because I think this is kind of cool. So I've had friends that have done this. 
Um, but you can book overnights and tours in Villisca, Iowa, and they have a hotel. And uh, let's see. They do daily tours Tuesday through Sunday, 1 to 4. That'd be Central Standard Time, um, with the last tour being at 3.30. $10 an adult and $5 seniors, 65 and over. So, yeah, and I've seen, and I'll also share that with you guys, because that was more of the, what would be our aspect of this. Um, the paranormal activity in this house is through the roof. Like, it is through the roof. Every single video that I've seen um, about this house has had activity in it. Uh, either orbs or um, people, you know how people can change their mood. Like, it's almost like a, a clear, clear sentience, clairvoyance type, of, or a clear gustance type of thing. I might no, clear cognizance, sorry. Um, but it's just a... It, the things I've watched happen in videos in this house from from investigators from Iowa. Like there was a, they were called the CCPI, they're Calhoun County Private, uh, Paranormal Investigators, and they, for years, they were kind of going around as a group just exploring different places in Iowa. And there are a lot of haunted places in Iowa, and I'm pretty like, I've done a lot of research with that kind of thing, and it's it's incredible. Um, so this this uh, is actually the Villisca Axe Murder House is one of the I want to say it's within the top ten most haunted places. It might be top twenty haunted places in the United States. So that's why I wanted to talk to you guys about it and see what you guys thought. Um, who the uh, prime suspect should be. So and then we got uh, Molly says so it's reportedly haunted. I'll share the videos with you. Like, you can see orbs. You can see... They actually did... Um, I want to say it was the Travel Channel. They did an actual, like, report. Um, they did a report on it that they... You, like, you watch a ball move by itself, toys move. Like, traditionally... I shouldn't say traditionally. That's kind of weird. But basically, when they go into this house... Uh, a lot of the private investigators, and I don't know if I feel like it's the girls or not, but they seem to get the most activity when they're talking to Lena and Ina Stillinger, and they've brought toys in, and they've put balls on the floor, different toys, and they've made noise. Like, I've watched a lot of different things on this, and the people that are actually from Iowa, I've watched them before, and what they do is awesome. Like they do awesome work. I've watched them do a lot of things that I know that they're not making up because I know um, a fa one of my family members had actually went with them to one of their investigations or a few of their investigations and grew up with them. So I kind of have an idea of what they were doing and some of the stuff they've done is incredible. And I've actually done stuff like that myself and obviously saged myself um, and tried to protect myself the best I could. But I've done things like that, and I think that it's something that it's uh, it's up to you guys. Do you think that Lena and Ina Stillinger? I'm going to give you all the videos that I've found. Um, there'll probably be less than four of them. All the videos that I've found with the things that have happened and the website, and I'll let you guys take a look at it and see what you think. Uh, so <laughs> Molly says, "Nice, I want to go to a haunted place." I'm surprised you don't know about this one, Molly. It's pretty well known. A lot of people around our area have been to this house. I have a friend that 
she's like, well, I have friends that have spent the night there, but I have a friend that's like, we should spend the night, sir. And I'm like, I might visit. I'm <laughs> like, I don't know about spending the night there. Um, it, they basically, the entire house had been, um, like, there had been several owners, by the way. I should probably tell you guys that part. There had been several owners after Josiah and Sarah Moore had passed away. And what um, they all say is that there had been something that happened. One guy cut his, like, randomly a, a knife flew off the counter and he cut his hand or something like that. Um, and this is actually a movie, too, by the way, guys. Like, um, there's a, a movie called The Velisca Axe Murders. So this has got a lot of um, media attention. And it's it's been a case that's been completely unsolved. And obviously, that's the reason it's unsolved is because we back then they had they couldn't even take any samples because people had the townspeople had already walked through you know like so if it was one of the townspeople they would have had no idea because they would have found the same prints because the townspeople had walked through and i honestly don't know um if they had prints at that time or not but i do know that um with the when i heard so i had heard a lot about this story but one of the people that i didn't hear about when i first initially heard about the story or didn't pay much attention to was henry moore and um, the fact that he had already killed his mother and grandmother. Oh, and I forgot to mention, black, back to Blackie Mansfield, he actually, um, two years later after the Bliska Axe murders, he actually axed his family to death, his wife and his children. So he would have been the one that the senator would have hired, or the he was a senator after that so frank jones would have hired so it's all a little odd to me and i know that there's things that were probably politically challenged at that point in time so that's why i just wanted to show it to you guys and see what you guys thought because this is a story that really intrigues me and we have several different suspects if you go to their site um you can see pictures because i don't know about you guys but sometimes when i see a picture of um the person i'm reading for or the person that um, might be guilty like those types of things like that's when I connect the most so they do have pictures available on the website and um, if you're watching this on YouTube I probably provided the pictures already um, as I was talking about the people but I just thought that was an interesting story so um, I'm kind of looking at what everybody's saying so um, that's all I have about the Velisca Axe murder house and I'll provide the links uh, below for the Velisca Axe Murder uh, official website, the house official website, and then the few different channels on YouTube that I can find that I'd watch different, um, different information on. So we can talk, let's see. Okay, so that's the end of the Velisca Axe murder thing. Everything will be in the information below, and I'll provide you guys with it, too. Now I can see you guys' comments.